0: hello everyone thank you for joining me for another beer with darren i am joined by two people tonight so it's actually a very special beer Um they're both from cloud call so i'm with uh, daniel and james uh who should we start with let's go with james Do you mind saying hello and uh, giving people a little bit of your background please yeah hi everyone uh james Marshida,
1: a marketing services director at cloud call i've uh, been with the company just over two years um i've been in marketing for nearly 20 i think i've lost track um fell into marketing because I was doing business studies at uni and marketing was the only kind of module where there was no wrong answer so you know, I couldn't add up and i do any of that sort of stuff and um, they didn't want me in the HR world so um, so I went into marketing from there and subsequently fell into kind of B2B tech marketing um, and so I've kind of been working in the marketing kind of world in, in that sector for the last 15 years or so.
0: Amazing and before we go to Daniel what are you drinking sir?
1: something special so it was my birthday last week and i got bought loads of beers so um i'm gonna i am on ai do not know if you can see it there it's uh, it's called rhubarb and streisand or rhubarb streisand from a a brewery called uh brew york they do specialist flavors and it's been sat in my fridge for a week because i had a baby arrive the next day to spoil my birthday
0: (laughs) Um, no no way did that spoil your birthday that's the best gift anyone could ever have okay um <laughs> so we there
1: chilling yeah. in the fridge for a week and i thought you know what tonight's the night i deserve it so yeah, yeah something special tonight
0: amazing and daniel what are you drinking
1: and do you mind giving people a little bit about yourself
2: i am uh representing moretti tonight it's
0: a strong I'll beer can't
1: go wrong with that one good choice
2: that's my choice for tonight uh no fruit in this one unfortunately um yeah so my name is daniel fox i look after channel marketing over at cloud call so that's um our, our partnerships, uh, the partnerships that we have with the CRMs that we integrate, and um, and those referral partners that we work with, um, who we you know companies that we work with to help provide um, Cti services to corporate clients. Um, I've worked, I've had quite a varied career, I guess in um, in marketing. Um, it was a conscious decision; it was something I wanted to get into. Um, I started my career again about twenty years ago, um, working for a uh, big German brand house um, spent about five years there on the DIY side um, so consumer goods in the DIY channel selling through the likes of Homebase and B&Q places like that internationally um, and that gave me a really good grounding as a as a product manager and then later as a brand manager it gave me a good really good uh, grounding for the the disciplines of, of marketing um, on on various scales, um, big budgets, trying lots of, of new things. Um, I then moved on, spent a number of years in, in and around DIY, uh, Tried did some marketing for um, luggage and leather goods companies, um, paint, um, adhesives, um, and then got into the recruitment side uh, probably about five or six years ago now at uh, Microdeck um, recruitment CRM. Um, so that's how I ended up in this uh, recruitment side. Um, spent about four or five years there, and then most recently, um, now about 18 months or so at Cloud Core.
0: Amazing. So, you've done the B2B and B2C, right?
2: Yeah, that's right. What,
0: what do you yeah. prefer? And actually, a f- bit of a further question to that. What is the main difference between B2B and B2C? I've seen quite a few arguments where people say there is no difference. What's your opinions on that? Um,
2: I always once I'd done the B to C because I did a very a small amount of B to B at the start of my career and then got into B to C and thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I think I think at the time B to B B was was always seen as the, the poor relation um, for many years. Probably the first half of my career so far, B to B was was probably the poor relation. So I did have a bit of a decision to make as, when I when I moved over from B to C over to B to B whether or not it was the right thing to do. Um, I think actually B two B is is more of a challenge. Um, I think uh, generally speaking, the the resources that you have are, are often tighter. Um, the opportunity to to test, to try things, to market research, um, to get feedback on on how your products are performing is is much tighter. Um, and I think you have to you have to think on your feet um, a lot more. There's also lots more buyer personas that you have to consider um, as well. You know, with a B two B purchase, typically it's not just one person making that that purchase decision. Um, you've got a few people, often with slightly different agendas, um, involved in that purchase decision. So you've kind of got to market and convince um, more people um, within that within that process. So um, I enjoyed both. I'd, I'd actually say I prefer B two B now that I've now that I've been through the mill and done both. Um B2B is more of a challenge, but I, but I do prefer it. Nice. And, and James, what's your thoughts on that? I, I
1: agree with Dan. I think the, you know, the main difference is B2B, you're selling to an organization, and there's people who have decision-making and influencing capability and power within the organization. Whereas in B2C, you're selling to an individual. Uh, that individual will make a decision, and it's for them. Whereas something like uh, uh, investing a new marketing tool, you know, me and Dan have got to think about how the whole team are able to use that and does that change the work? They're going to work and the impact that's going to have and what do we have to give up to make that work? And it, it's a much broader decision-making that lives within B2B and that, to Dan's point, you've got more people to convince this is the right thing to do. And Certainly in you know, smaller businesses, getting people to part with cash is really, really hard. Um, so that's why that challenge is, it's, it's really tough. It's even tougher at the moment. Um, but people who are good at it will always be good at it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned you prefer or you enjoy ab two B more, right? What's the What's the main reason for that? Is it the challenge that comes with it? Yeah,
2: for yes, me it's is- yeah. Um, it's uh, I think with with B two C, and I was selling, um, you know, through retail through, through retailers um, through through that channel. So I was able to walk into a store and see people buying the product. Um, you know, I could stand back at the end of a fixture, at the end of an aisle, and watch people shopping the fixture. I could see how they were looking at the, the fixture, which which items they were picking up. What sort, of, you know, get a feel for their purchase decision. As a B two B marketer, I can't do that. I can't sit in front of my customer, so I have to find other ways of understanding that customer. Um, and every marketer will tell you, or every good marketer will tell you that, that the essence of marketing is understanding your customer. Um, and there's various ways to do that, but with with B two B, you're you're a step removed. Um, You can't go into store and do that. You need to you need to work with with people in other ways. And that's building relationships. It's going out and talking to people. It's going out and visiting companies. It's talking to people about how they buy, why they buy, talking to those different personas, speaking to your sales team about what objections and things they come up with or they're coming up against. so i think it's that it's more of a challenge because because you're that that step back away from everything um you need to think more you need to you need to be much more involved in 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 that purchasing decision in that that whole purchase process
0: and and you've touched on one of my favorite subjects as you everybody will know is uh sales and marketing working closely together always Um, friends
1: always friends
0: not always i'll I'll be honest (laughs) it's uh it's a funny one, isn't it? And I keep getting the messages on LinkedIn from sales directors saying, when are you going to have a beer with me? You know, I want to share my side of the story. So I think that will have to come at some point. But you mentioned talking to them to understand the, the objections, etc. What What are your top tips or what are you currently doing right now? Um, and I guess, James, it's more to you to start with. What are you doing right now to get your sales team working closely with you through this incredibly tough period? It's not uh,
1: harder than that. I, I think it's one of those. I was going to call it a silver lining of of where we are right now. It's a, it's a clunky way of saying it, but we've got it. Made us work closer together because every deal is that much harder to win. So, so we're probably closer to individual deals now than we've ever been as a marketing organization. And so, learning more about why that customer said yes, no, or hasn't said yes or no yet is allowing us to change our messaging and the way we communicate with the next ones in the line. So and I think the sales team then see that and are then coming to us a lot sooner than they normally would. We have a really um, kind of funny every time there's a presentation doing, you know, you know, give it to give it to the marketing guy the day before and now will color it in or make it pretty. And I think there's started to be a real understanding of that. Yeah, we can do that. But if you give us a week, we can give you a deck that's going to get you the deal. Whereas if you give us a day, we'll give you a deck that's not got typos in it. So I think it's, huge understanding on both sides of we're getting closer to deals which is something very rare in a b2b so from my perspective and their understanding how hard we have to work to get people interested in the first place um, and so we're getting more actively involved in lead generation and helping us to define what a lead is and before we started recording me and dan were laughing about that but it's actually really really that's the handover point and i think if the best sales and marketing relationships will come with understanding what that handshake is of this is now yours, and it's yours because you asked for XYZ ABC. Absolutely.
0: And how does that affect it on the channel side? So when you're talking to partners, as um, how has it been through COVID working with your partners in that way?
2: Um, I, I, it's been it's been uh, it's been a good period actually. Um, we've had a little bit more time to talk to people. Um, it's been slow in terms of actually passing leads and passing business to each other but um but it's been a good period to to re-establish those those relationships um, so i've had lots of conversations with people about their business about how they're planning to come out of this um what they're doing with their their sort of downtime that they've had if they've if they've had it so from a channel perspective and from that relationship side of things i think it's it's been very good um and with those partnerships we've got a common goal um, I think the difference with sales and marketing is, is fundamentally we've got two slightly different goals. Um, salespeople are, are generally focused on hitting a number this month. You know, that's what's important to them. They've got a, a target to hit by the 31st of the month. Whereas in marketing, we're, we're, we have a longer term view. We're the custodians of the brand, we've got to be thinking what the next one or two years look like, um, not the next month um so i think for first out straight out the gate you've got this you've got this oppositional um sort of position from the right from the beginning um and that can that can that can be difficult to overcome and I think the key to it is just understanding those differences um and that's something that we don't really i think you have with sales and marketing departments sometimes and I've seen it be really bad you know really it's almost like they're just fighting against each other um but you know, in most cases, I think if you can understand that that difference of, of of requirement right now, where where each person's view is slightly different, then you can get over it. With partnerships at the moment, um, as I say, very good because we all want to come out of this, and we're all just trying to find that that way to be first out of the blocks.
0: And you mentioned short term versus long term measurements there, and. Social selling is something I feel quite strongly about. I've never made that's a that's a lie. I have made two cold calls. My first one was atrocious. The second one went really well, but that is that is it for my cold calling career.
1: Fifty percent hit rates are pretty good hit rates. So yeah, retire at the top.
0: <laughs> I didn't tell you how many hours I spent preparing for the call, just in, you know, just in case they did answer. You know, it's it was worth it, was it though, wasn't it? Worth it. It was. Yeah. I just um, you know, everything I do is through LinkedIn. You know, everything I do is through social social selling. However you want to label it. And whenever I speak to salespeople, they always say to me, but it's it's a long game. you know. I, I can't see the ROI. Everyone who assists me, I get these likes and these comments, but I don't, what does that actually mean? And the big thing I try to explain to somebody is it, it's all about brand awareness and that will lead to further down your funnel, people converting. How do you work with your sales teams in that way to make them see the bigger picture rather than think month to it's, month? It's
1: a really good, and actually, when we first had pager um come on board a couple of months ago now we, we did have a couple of salespeople people didn't have an issue with pager they had an issue with they didn't think that the content we wanted them to share through page was right for their audience
0: right
1: um, and the, the things that they post on their own gets more likes get more comments than the stuff that we do and I, we had to really sit them down and say look we're not we're not in this for the likes and the comments we run it for the eyeballs who then go oh cloud call click through and now they're on our website and now we've got a message that really fits them because Guess what? In your LinkedIn network is a load of decision makers in recruitment, and we're trying to sell to decision makers in recruitment. So that's why we need you to be doing it. It's not about the likes and the comments. That's the vanity metrics coming through. Um, that's more of a B to C thing, um, in my opinion. But it was once the, they understood why it was important and why a clip all the way up here on your profile might seemingly be unsuccessful, the knock-on effect as you follow it all the way through is that we, we're we're getting five or six web leads a day at
0: the moment um it's very incredible in this market as well Just uh, to add, right?
1: it's, it's frankly unbelievable to be honest um and so you know happy days and my guys are, are, are excellent and I, I i would challenge any organization outside of the big ones they they're not getting that consistency of lead coming through that's converting to see a demo that's going through to get proposals sent to a prospect i think it's we're doing some really good stuff at the moment. But it all starts at the top. So on Let's
0: uh, come on to that subject. So you mentioned web leads. So what yeah. is a lead? Let's, let's go for it. Right. Well, so <laughs> those ones are easy, right? Because
1: we count a lead from the website. So one fills in a form and says, give me a quote or give me a demo." Really easy. And okay. they're the ones that we, we have a, a BDR team uh, who, who pick those up. We'll do a little bit of research just to make sure that the real person and all that kind of stuff, they're not a customer already or whatever it might be. Um, And then we'll call them and we'll book the demo. We'll give them a quote, do a bit of discovery around them and off to the races we go. And we have like a one in three conversion rate of those leads. So from web lead to customer, it's, it's really strong and we do them quickly. Where it gets interesting, let's use that word, is the stuff that we have, let's throw another marketing phrase out, where we have nurtured them. Mm -hmm. and we've we we have had their email address from an event in our database for five years and they've been on our email database for ages and all of a sudden they've started kicking on stuff and we've been applying a scoring logic and it's got to the magic 100 where we say right that's a marketing qualified lead um but because they haven't filled in a form necessarily it says give me a demo give me a quote there's often reluctance to accept that that is a lead um and that there's some legwork for the BDR to do over that last mile to convince them in a sales pitch why they now need to take that demo. So that's where we have our, what's the right word, Dan? Disagreements? Is that a, yeah, is the correct way of putting it? <laughs> it's brilliant if the, if the demo books, but it's crap if it doesn't, even though there's no difference in how they've scored up to that 100 and how we've passed it over.
0: Um <laughs> And and have, you tried, have you tried the automated outreach when they reach a certain point? Because I'm using something called um, ARM, which I imagine is similar to what you're using. You apply certain points if they visit a certain page, You've and got it. You've if got they write a page, they jump up. Yeah. Um, and in our, in our MQL journey, which we haven't launched yet, we're actually launching next week. Um, and if you're not already subscribed to the open source marketing, uh, you can find a link on our website because everything we do, we document it. Yeah. But the part of the journey is they get to, I think it's around 30 points. And then they get an email from me to say, look, I've noticed you've been checking out our website. You haven't reached out. Why is that? Can we book in some time to chat? Have you tried that automated approach or do you think it needs to be on a personal level?
1: Most of our stuff is automated. Um, we might have to, until it gets to that 100 score. Um, and and that's purely to keep those salespeople selling. So, so you know, their focus is booking stuff that's ready to book or selling to people ready to buy. Um, where we might put manual intervention is it might be an event and therefore it needs something a little bit quicker. Um, so if we've been out to one of the big rec expos or something like that, where we've got the scans from the, the you know, the people came to the stand or whatever, although clearly we haven't been doing that any time recently. Um, <laughs> we want to call them pretty quickly and, and probably sooner than we normally would in that kind of engagement nurturing journey. So we put a little kind of bespoke program in place, but actually at the end of that, we'll call them a couple of times. If they haven't answered in the first few days, we'll put them into a normal queue anyway. Um, and at, at any one time, we've probably got 40 or 50 different queues, different demand gen queues going on.
0: And that's, that's through email marketing, different newsletters going out to the different- Yeah, teams. email marketing. Um, we use Pardot
1: for us. Uh, for we, we, we're kind of, everything is latched onto Salesforce. So we use Pardot as our email automation platform. Um, and there'll be a little bit of it will bounce to a BDR, it will bounce back, that kind of thing as well will happen, so. Um, different different routes but all roads lead to a, a demo booked is kind of a holy grail marketing self handover
0: so for my benefit because there's so many acronyms in sales and marketing what's the difference between a bdr and sdr what's is it one's so, got an s and one's got a b <laughs> <same
1: thing.
0: laughs> right that's okay. yeah that's it okay perfect because I'm, I'm sitting here thinking i think it's the same thing but there are so many different words and i think we said at the start right before we started recording so many bullshit acronyms where you're just like this is so complicated what um, what are you doing to try to solve that problem so you mentioned you've got that disagreement or i don't know friction as you might want to call it um around what a mql is and what an sql is um just to use some more acronyms what are you doing to try and solve that
1: short term we're we're going further into it so um when we do hand them over to the bdrs sdrs um, we're actually helping them write their own prospecting sequences now. So, that last mile that I talked about, we normally have left that to them to program and come up with and, and all that kind of stuff. We're actually helping with their scripts and the tour tracks and the, the prospecting sequences where it gets really, you know, hi Darren, it's James. I know you've, you've been looking at our product, the stuff that you've been talking about. Um, And I agree, maybe we're not we're waiting too long to get into that. Um, We're helping write that because they're not, it's still marketing, but it's sales. So it's they're not very good at it, sorry guys um so we're um we're we're going further into the into the content creation, I guess so it's it's more prospecting written by marketing as opposed to salespeople. and we have seen some horrendous emails written by some people over the last couple of years.
0: where you just Did, think, can you share hey, any examples or
1: um yeah, there's just things like where there was one email where the cloud call wasn't written once there was no mention of the product that we sell there was no mention of the industry in and it was it, it was like it was just like sending an email to your, your dad you know, this is what i'm up to the weather's been great let's let's get on a phone <laughs> and, and talk about what you're going to do over the summer right who are you get lost is the response if it's not just delete and unsubscribe. so it's it's helping them sharpen that that part of the journey
2: Writing, writing copy isn't easy. I think, you know, whether it's, it's advertising copy emails, websites, you know, anything like that, it's, it's not easy. Um, and it's something, you know, I do a reasonable amount of it, but it, you know, and I've, you know, I've got 20 years of experience, but it's still something that I have to go back and, and, sort of, you know, check what I'm, what I've written, because I tend to write, I tend to write in quite a, an official style. Um, that actually doesn't come across as conversational as, as perhaps I'd like it to do. So I have to go back and re-edit everything that I'm doing. And I think unless you're aware of that sort of thing um, and unless you're, you're you know, really acutely aware of how you're positioning um, your email, it's very easy to get it wrong. Um, you know, It's not that these people are illiterate or any of that sort of stuff. It's just you know, it takes a special kind of eye and it takes some experience to understand how to, um, how to communicate with people in that way. Um, and a lot of know, I, I rewrite most of go. most of the content I send out. Most emails I send out, I have to write twice.
0: Um, don't get me started on website content. I feel like I've changed the <laughs> page uh, content, website content, at least six times within the last <laughs> few weeks.
1: <laughs> well, so we're lucky enough to have someone who's on it full time, and they're they're updating it every day. What works? What doesn't? What's converted today? What hasn't converted? What traffic's coming through? On what page? Where's it coming from? Create. Oh, Every day it's changing, new pages going up, whole pages being changed, Price pricing the way we lay it out has changed five times in two weeks. Same price, but the way we lay it out to see what works, what what makes it easier for a customer to understand. For a, a few months, we had no pricing and and it was a really weird experiment that we didn't realise we were doing where we had a pricing page with no pricing on it and it was the most second most popular page and we were getting loads of quotes through and the reason we are getting quotes is because they wanted pricing or quote requests. But actually, what if we put the pricing on? People could Get a quote actually get a proper quote and then we could follow up the quote rather than creating a quote with one step down the sales funnel so yeah. you know you, you, you've got away with it, it sounds like
2: I think you've just hit on something there James as well when Darren, when you said about how do you prove to salespeople that it's that it's working and an MQL is worth something um, it's showing and proving almost that we thought about this kind of thing um, somebody visits the uh, the um, the features and benefits pages of a website, yeah, they're interested, they're having to poke around. At the point you click on the pricing page, you know, that's a buying signal. Um, and so when you're doing your your scoring, you're likely to to rank someone higher if they've clicked on that pricing page. And I think sales teams need to understand that story as well, that actually we rank these, you know, if they've read four or five of our blogs, they might just be interested in our content. They've got no intention of buying the product. Mm-hmm. If they go from our blogs to our feature list and then to our pricing, there's a journey there. There's you know there's some buying intent. Um, and for that reason, then it becomes a marketing qualified lead. So I think it's really important to, to get the sales teams involved and at least explain to them how we score, why we score. And all right, these people may not have made an inquiry to us. All we're doing is we're just giving them to you a little bit earlier so that you can close that rather than the website form closing it
0: yeah so you can sell arguably it's uh Absolutely. yeah exactly <laughs> it's that. a funny thing isn't it and I, I speak to sales people and they say oh I, I didn't hit my target i didn't get any leads this month i was like okay but surely part of your role is outbound you know you must be if you haven't got the leads coming you need to go and find them surely that's part of it
1: yeah and if you ask our uk sales director especially he, he, in previous places, he didn't get a single lead for marketing marketing's role was not to be lead generating it, mm-hmm. sales went out and they went and they kill what they could eat or eat what they could kill so yeah uh, marketing's job was to get bait attracted to the company because of the pr or the you know the events that they were doing and the events that they would take customers to it was all about you know we're the we look after people type of thing it wasn't lead leads lead. and i think that's it's a really interesting differentiating kind of point of how marketing is different in every organization you think all roads lead back to the same way of measuring success they really really don't um and one of the most interesting and i think probably daily challenges certainly that we face is an expectation that you can measure everything accurately from day one mm. um, i would say 80 percent of marketing you can't measure the effectiveness of really accurately ever I think there's there's very specific activity. How many web leads I get in, well I can count them. Um, but is a million visitors for twenty leads worth it, or should I have just got thirty visitors and twenty leads? You know why does the million visitors matter? You know it's yeah. kind of if you work that bit out, then you can go all down the funnel. So I I think there's there's you know we we have this thing all the time. It's not just here. What if we give you more money? Can you get more leads? Something like, doesn't work like that. <laughs> Um, I, I'll just try other things. I can't guarantee you they're gonna work, but I, what I will do is the things that are working, I'll do more of it until it's not working anymore. But I don't think I need more money for that. The money needs to go into experimentation and trying new things because that well that I'm tapping into, that's firing stuff through just fine. Thank you. I don't want to mess with that. You know, there's, there's a real risk of um, getting the quality completely compromised in, in a kind of race to get more. Um, and that's what that's another battle between sales and marketing do you want more or do you want better um it's really exhausting. yeah
0: and it, and it comes down to that measurement bit right because i speak to a lot of people where they're measured on the the mqls and i was actually speaking to someone the other day and i won't name the name but it was an interesting conversation where they said to me well i, I would turn that off because they, there's no revenue coming from this but actually it delivers more mqls and i'm measured on the MQLs. so even though they're not converting I'm still going to put my spend there because that's what I am measured on. Mm-hmm. And I was just sitting there thinking, this is absolutely nuts, absolutely yeah. nuts, but that's where we measured. So yeah. what, what do you guys measure on? Similar,
1: because the counteracting to that is, and we've had this discussion recently, um, marketing people don't want to be judged on the revenue because the winning that revenue is not in their hands. Great in the MQLs is in my hands. You closing deals is in your hands. So if my bonus is relying on you being good at your job, I don't want to part of that. So that's, again, a, a point of conflict Yeah, because I'm now
0: only successful if you're good at your job. So- but do you not think that should be coming from the top down? Everything, If you judge everything on revenue, it automatically makes you work well together because they need the MQLs to hit targets. You need them to hit targets to hit your targets. Do you not think by moving the measurement to revenue, everybody would just be forced to work well together and they have that closer relationship? I think I think as a measurement, I
1: think it, yes. I, I, I think you're right. Having shared goals that make sense um, is the way forward. That, that's why we advocate for demos because a demo is the SQL piece, right? So the, the throw another acronym there. We haven't been on acronym in bingo for a while. Um, <laughs> that's the point where salespeople say, that lead you gave me, it's real. I can create an opportunity out of that. So even if we can't affect the closing of the revenue, we can affect the pipeline creation. So I think for us, it's the, the demo to pipeline being created where we say, yeah, that that's where we really wanna be measured. Are we putting in opportunities to sell all the time?
2: We, we as marketeers, though, do need to understand what that pipeline needs to look like. Um, yeah. And I've, I've been guilty of this in the past. In a, a previous job, I, um, I was tasked with increasing the number of leads. And I went away and did that. And you know we got a three-fold increase in, in the number of leads. And I sat very happy with, with what I had done. Um, and we probably got almost six months in and then realized that sales were... We were doing the same number of deals, but the value of those deals was declining. And then when I tracked it back, I realized that although I was getting more leads, they weren't as good a quality. They weren't as many seats. They weren't, we weren't selling as many licenses. Um, so what I was doing was filling their pipeline with, you know not rubbish, but just not the right kind of deals, not the stuff that they really wanted. Um, and that was having a material impact on our on our revenues. Um so I then had to go back again and readjust what we were looking for, what was an MQL, what were we passing through? Who were we attracting? and really try and change the whole the whole machine right from the beginning. So it's really you've got to understand what what is the revenue target. And how are we going to achieve that? You know, what's the split? What's the mix of, of deals that we need to be to be doing? What's the mix of clients that we need to be bringing on board? Um, and then how can we get that that right mix of leads in? Because just playing numbers games is is not necessarily going to get you the right the right result. And it's um,
0: interesting because I see people now embracing account-based marketing. So rather than starting at the top of the funnel, say these are the customers we want to work with and we're going to market to them. Are you are you guys embracing that? Are you doing anything around um we want to.
1: Yeah, we've started it. Um, obviously, we work very closely with the CRM um, providers, um, and it and it's in, in conjunction with those guys, mainly that we kind of identify the right candidate um, in terms of the current CRM customer and within that partnership approach them with the joint pitch and that kind of stuff. I think that's where we are starting to do it. Um, I think we've got a bit of an education in, in our business as to what good ABM looks like. I think, you know, we're still in that more is more um, mm-hmm. kind of phrase of our scaling and our growth and our really our maturing as a business. Um, we have desires to get bigger customers, um, but it's it's hard to win the bigger customers. And, and you know, to Dan's point, you, you start to get more smaller ones and they close really quickly and you feel like there's momentum behind you. And it's just how do you take that momentum into something a little bit bigger and, and kind of just keep that snowballing, I think. We're really at the start of that, that journey. Um, but You're right. You're right. We need to do it. It's it's important.
0: And this is only I get from, you know, I read a lot of books. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Right, I'm no, in no way a marketer. But the reason I'm looking at it is the same reason I guess you guys are, is if you look at Page's clients, I love you all to bits if you're listening, but 60% of them are, are small businesses. And, you know, we want to have larger businesses use the product. So... By starting actually with who they are, I guess the personas become real people, right? You're looking at, this is the person I want to see this content. Um, it's an interesting way of doing it. We've nowhere near nailed it, but it's, it's definitely on our roadmap as well. So maybe what could be interesting is in a couple of months, if we get back on and we talk about how we, uh, how we got on, that, that'd be quite cool. It'd be interesting to do a, a wrap-up of 2020 because,
1: you know, you're just starting out on it. We, we're, we're getting back into it. You know, we, we've been quite consistent through the pandemic, but we are really starting to accelerate now back onto the marketing. Mm -hmm. Activities, you know, we're trying to catch ourselves up as opposed to just starting again, which is great. Um, Yeah, it's really interesting that you talk about wanting bigger bigger customers. I say it's it's an argument I have all the time internally about the desire to have bigger customers, Um, and I never understand why you want everyone just wants bigger customers because most successful businesses start by providing a solution to a problem that most people have because they're small businesses. So there's more smaller businesses out there. Your, your pond to go fishing in is so much bigger when you go after smaller stuff. Um, and there's just uh, it's a little bit of you know. Sometimes you've got to be careful of the, the 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 blue whale kind of logos coming in. As vanity, vanity wins.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And I th- I think it's a, it's an interesting one, but we haven't even tried yet. And the reason why we want to tr- want bigger businesses is we haven't even tried that market yet. You know we right. haven't it, it's literally proven the product there you know we've we've got a good customer base and we're never going to not continue to support and build features for that customer base but it's almost like you know when you're just sitting here thinking i wonder what this could be i wonder what this <laughs> i wonder where this could go um and also we're in social media management when you talk about small business we're we're a social media scheduler you know we, we do content curation we do all these sorts of things but you're comparing us then to Hootsuite, to Sprout Social, all of who operate a freemium model and have a very good free offer as well. You know, if you're looking just for a social media scheduler, you don't need Pager, you need Hootsuite, you need Buffer. So actually playing in that market down there isn't somewhere I want to be because we haven't got VC funding. We haven't got loads of money in the bank. So actually we need to be a slightly more premium product to those. And that automatically does rule out quite a lot of the small businesses out there. Yeah. I think, anyway, please tell me if I'm wrong because I'm, I could be back out of country. <laughs> it's,
1: it's very easy for me to sit here and say any different because it's not my money on the line and it's not my business, is it? So, um, But all I would say is those guys started small as well. Um, and, and you know they, they got big because they had a great product. That was the most important thing. And obviously we are Pager users and it's a fantastic product. I remember about 20 minutes after we signed our contract with you, I, I advised you to put your prices up. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because i think it's worth it you know you talk you, yours is a premium product um because of that link to the sales and marketing piece that takes it beyond being that's purely a social scheduler that's just one of the features um it's the bringing the two groups together that, that's where the value is um you know the amount of time you save by just bringing those two groups together, just even on that small little piece is worth more money because of the time saved and the effort saved and the emotional investment saved um so you know, don't don't give up on on being a premium product because you are.
0: So, but I think we signed a two year deal, so you can't put the price up for us just yet. I'm, I'm pretty sure we just doubled it to four, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate the kind words. You know, you know, I uh, yeah, you, you guys were one of the first businesses outside of recruitment to to use the product. So, um, yeah, I really appreciated it. I think I said to you, Daniel, at the time. Sorry for anyone listening. We're just literally having a chat now over a beer, but Daniel, when you phoned me up and it was during COVID, I remember it well because uh, yeah, it was a rubbish it. week, wasn't it? Yeah, I was. I was so grateful for the phone call. And um, you probably could have asked me to cut the price in half. I probably would have said, yeah, right, why not? <laughs> We're in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> why not? Oh dear.
1: So, so I've just, got to schedule the next pandemic for about a year and a half, two years time, have I, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: If you can find some animals to eat that you're not meant to eat, it'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, very quickly, before we wrap up, you've both got years of experience and I'm really keen to get your sort of top, num- number one piece of advice for new marketers coming in. Who wants
2: to go first? Um... <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think of something different to the obvious. Actually, that's uh, you know, it, it's we've already had act like a sponge. You can't use that one. We've got that one done. Um,
0: we've had we've had um, read Neil Patel's blog. You can't say that anymore. Okay, so, uh, that's your options gone. <laughs> I'll,
1: I'll go with um, don't take it personally. Um, everyone everyone is a marketing professional. Everyone knows marketing. You know, I, I can't walk into the, the finance director office and tell him how to set his accounts. But they can walk into our office and tell us how that how that email should read. Because everyone's marketing. So don't take it personally. I, everyone just actually is just trying to help. I think everyone has an inane uh, kind of built-in desire to be in marketing. Everyone wants, Everyone's marketed too. They're on the receiving end of advertising. So everyone has an opinion. Um, 99% of the time, they don't know what they're talking about but they mean well, so just don't take it personally.
0: I love that, and especially as if we're talking about acronyms and stuff like this, the coloring department, uh, marketing gel is, is all terms we hear too often, right? Um, and I'm, we're actually, if anyone's interested, we're launching t-shirts uh, where the profits are being donated to the Mind Charity, which is a mental health charity. And they're all about those sorts of things where it says, um, just just a marketing girl is one of the t-shirts my favorite one just the marketing girl but increase revenue by five times you know this this sort of thing so um i'll put a link to the t-shirt store because when this goes out the t-shirt store should be live um, so yeah i'm excited by that one yeah Daniel, and i'll tell you a story things, on one, one, of these, lines,
1: sorry, one of these lines sorry but we had someone who gave us a presentation to color in and it helped them win the deal and then the next time they asked us to color in a presentation i said no i just refused to do it because what? i said you were so disrespectful you paid no uh, gratitude back to the people that helped you win that deal we just colored it in for you we didn't we wrote the whole bloody thing for you we won you that deal and you haven't even said thank you so go won't do your own deck next time what was their reaction to that uh they ran crying to their sales director who came begging to us would we please help as a favor to him personally
0: Right, and that's weak tolerance, right? Because all he had to do was say "fuck," I'm sorry, or she, maybe maybe a she. All all they had to do was say, "I'm sorry."
1: Yeah, sorry, and thanks for your help. I really appreciate it, guys. Just take it for granted, but again, don't take it personally. Maybe I'm just uh, need to take my own advice from that one.
0: That was a few years ago when I was a little bit younger. No, I like I like the uh, I like the approach personally. <laughs> Daniel, what's your number one tip, mate?
2: Um, I think it's it's in two parts really. I think. The, the obvious one put the customer at the front and center of everything that you do um, you know understand them don't just write personas but just go outside look at them watch them speak to them listen to them understand why they make the decisions that they make um, what are their pressure points why are they buying why are they not buying your products um, understand their entire journey um, but the second part of it is is have an objective in everything that you do um, and if you can run um everything that you do through that filter of this is the customer and this is my objective then you'll be able to sleep at night and you'll be able to prove to anyone in your business that the decision that you made was the right one it may not always pay off it may you may not always generate the leads or generate the sales that you expected but providing you can say that you that you understand the customer and that you've you you have an objective um, then then as I say you'll be able to um, to 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 stand up against the the work that you're doing, um, you know, a lot of marketeers retrospectively um, fit the results to their objective, and I think really you've got to have an objective at the start to work to. Um, you know, don't do don't do activity for the sake of it. Um, you know, make sure there's a reason for everything that you're doing.
0: Amazing. Yeah. I, I think that's. I think we're all guilty of that, right? Where we're just doing something. It's um, my favorite saying is, uh, "It's the way we've always done it." I used to hate when people used to say that to me. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you're like, well, maybe it's broken. Should we have a look at it? Let's <laughs> just, just see if we can improve that process. And yeah. we did with Broadbean a lot, you know, that that saying, because Broadbean's nearly 20 years old. Right. Like, there'd, be, there'd be times where we'd be sitting there, and we're like, this is the way we've always done it. And you know, we man- I think we managed to save somebody about a day a month by changing some of the processes, just by going past that question. So yeah, that's my, that's my,
2: yeah. my <laughs> the way we've always done it, I think over particularly over a 20 year period, I don't think that that should count in marketing. You know, marketing itself has, has changed a lot in the last 20 years. Um, You know, 20 years ago was the kind of uh, the purple cow era. Um, If you've read the Seth Godin, I think it might've been the the purple cow book, which is all about differentiation, um, disturbing the market, being different, creating something, creating noise. Um, and then we, we kind of moved away from that. It wasn't just about being different and, and disturbing markets. It became probably then in, inbound marketing was, was the next big thing. Um, and it was all about creating content to the point that we were just creating stuff just for, the, just for the hell of it sometimes and not always measuring what we were doing and not always getting the right results. And then that inbound marketing did one really good thing. It led us into personalization. Because while we're creating this this content, we kind of remembered that actually we need to address these individuals, and technologies allow us to to address individuals and and particular buyer personas. Um, so now we've gone from sort of this purple cow disturbing the market, inbound marketing, then into personalization. If you add in automation and and technology such as yours. What we did 10 years ago, 20 years ago, you can't do that anymore. We're in a different world. Um, so in marketing in particular, we've, we've got to move away from you know, what we did previously because we won't even get what we always got. We'll, we just won't get anything at all. Um, we constantly need to be evolving um, and thinking about what we're doing, thinking about what our customers are doing, how to connect with them, how to have the right conversations with them. Um, and it's marketing is very much an evolutionary thing.
1: Yeah. We just, we just talked at the start, Dan, you and I, 20 years doing this. We had a guy on our team celebrate being 25 years of age last week. <laughs> so we started doing this when yeah. he was five. You know, he, he doesn't know what the world without Google is. You hmm. know, he's he, grown up with smartphones and Netflix and all that kind of stuff. None of that existed when we started out in this game.
0: Um, I, was in, I was talking to um, Billy Humphreys last week, I think it was. And we were talking about SEO and how, when it actually first came, it was literally put some text on a web page, make it the color white, hide it in the background, and you were going to rank. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. I did my dissertation on metadata and that kind of stuff. You can't even do that now. Ask Jeeves was the number one search engine.
0: Oh, Jeeves! Do you remember Jeeves? Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, the good old days. <laughs> <laughs> the millennials weren't even born yet. Yeah. Apparently, <laughs> I'm I'm technically a millennial. I found out, which is yeah. So so am I apparently, but I don't, I don't know <laughs> it's odd um i think google's got that one wrong um my final question before i let you guys go because it is nearly 10 p.m and this is probably a controversial one so hopefully if you're listening to the end you get to hear this biggest marketing fuck up what was the thing you spent money on and thought why did i do that
1: you got one done. um
2: no, I want you to answer this one first.
1: I, to... I'll go. I'll go because mine. My, I've got kind of two, but they're the same. Same story in two different parts, right? So I think my second job, uh, I got a marketing manager job that I was never ready for. Um, yeah, you know, I, I just, I just punched above my weight at interview stage. Got a job, and was out of my depth for the rest of my time there. Um, and we used to kind of put out catalogs. It was a, it was a wholesaler. And we'd have like seasonal catalogs with the, the stuff that would go out to our kind of resale partners and there was these two items in this catalogue that just weren't in stock they just, we just never seemed to have them in stock and so i held that catalog back until they were in stock but what i didn't do was check once they were back in stock did i check all the others in stock so I not only did i put this thing out three weeks late i then put it out with more things out of stock than the two things i'd wait for to be in stock so it was just a complete utter. I didn't last very long there. I was, I was way out of my league and, uh, I learned some very valuable lessons. I remember to this day, uh, from the people I worked for there. Um, nice. but that, yeah.
0: I love that. You're trying to do the right thing. You had the, you know, you had the best of interest there.
1: Well, yeah, but the, you know, the, the, the biggest lesson was there. If I would just gone and asked my boss what to do or give me some advice, I probably could have worked our way through it, but I was the marketing manager. This was my category. I was in charge. I know what I'm doing. I have a clue what I was doing. Um, so
2: there you go, learn that one the hard way. No. The story about marketing is more than just outbound messages. It's about stock, it's about pricing, it's about availability, it's about making sure the product is in the right place at the right time. Yeah. Uh, you know, marketing's become a, a word for just, you know, outbound communications now. Um, and it is so much, so much more than that. Um, I had a similar mistake. We put the wrong product into the Argos catalog um You know, which back in that in the day was one of the biggest biggest routes to market that um that was available. And all of a sudden, this thing's gone out. It's printed has so many million copies, and um yeah, the the, the wrong product pictures sitting there. That's it now. That's that's the next six months sales gone. We're just not going to be able to because they you know you couldn't just update a website. It's printed. Yeah. I remember going
0: yeah. to the old catalog. It was, it was an exciting day when a new one came out, and you used to go pick yeah. it up and. Circle what you wanted for Christmas, and I think they've stopped it now, right? I it just, the yeah, well. so they said
2: they've stopped
0: printing.
2: I, I them very now,
1: rarely yeah. get into uh, social media debates with people, but someone put on Facebook about yeah, it's a really great thing, and that's I got into look it, they, for the right reasons. It probably is, but actually, I think they've made a mistake. And when we got into the back and forth about. You know they said oh yeah but the money that's saved on that we can invest in the stores that haven't opened yet and i said oh, i think there's a reason they've not opened those stores up it's because they weren't profitable it's nothing to do with the pandemic it's just a nice convenient excuse for them. um hmm. so yeah it's one of the few times that i've actually got into a
0: social media set to Nice. No, my, my beer is actually empty guys so i'm gonna say night. Has anyone got anything they want to add before we uh before we call it quits
1: uh, i've i've thought of a better piece of advice for people the, the, on the back of what dan's just said uh, okay. the, fir- the first thing you're taught about marketing is the four p's and there's a reason that that's that's what you're taught to so don't just think you're in advertising and coloring in. marketing is the backbone of a good strategy of any organization and be proud
0: to it's, be in a benefit well. of people listening that don't know the four p's what are the four p's just so uh, the four
1: p's as i was classically taught they might have changed since then i've grown <laughs> on and i think there's about 19 of them now but it was product price place promotion promotion very specifically last and that's the bit that 99% of marketers get lumped into.
0: Amazing. Right, well, let's end it there. Thank you so much for your time, guys. Really appreciate it. Good to see you both.
2: Thanks, Darren.
1: Cheers, Darren. See you, down.
2: Cheers. See you, James. Bye.